0: God bless you and welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson Sr. God bless you and thank you for tuning in right now. I don't know where you're listening from, whether it's Apple, Google, Breaker, Spotify, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, or a host of many other platforms that we're broadcasting on. I don't know what country you're in, the US, Ghana, France, Ireland. We are broadcasting nearly all over the world, and we thank God for the opportunity to come into your car, into your living room, um, at your workstation, on your job. This week, we're going to dive into a very interesting subject Uh, in the year 2020. We have seen this as a very difficult year. A lot of friends and loved ones uh, have passed on. And just this past week, uh, I did a funeral uh, my second of the year. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that is a lot. Uh, Being a pastor of not a very large church, to do two funerals in one year is actually a lot. When I was averaging probably one funeral every two or three years. And so um, I decided to look into the Bible ...to what a funeral is supposed to look like. Number one, to see is it biblical? And number two, how is it done in scripture? And so today on Love Thy Neighbor, we're going to take a look through scripture... ...to see what a funeral looks like and is it something that is biblical? What does the Bible say about it? And so stay tuned, don't go anywhere... We're going to have some quick messages from our sponsor, and I will be right back with what does the Bible say about a funeral? God bless you. You're listening to Love Thy Neighbor. God bless you, and welcome back to Love Thy Neighbor. Uh, This is Anthony Wilson, your host. Um, You're listening to Love Thy Neighbor. Uh, I don't know what time of day it is for you, um, but it is early morning for me. Um, Whichever time of day, you could be listening to this in the middle of night, mid-afternoon. I just pray that this information is uh, beneficial to you, that it equips you, empowers you, and edifies you uh, so that you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, A very... uh, important subject matter um here in the year 2020 is the subject of death or dying and so along with that subject is funerals uh and so often um we do things without actually uh knowing what the bible says about them and so i'm a person that goes back and looks at things closely like okay what what does scripture actually say about that What does it say about it in context? What does it say about it historically? What does it say about it doctrinally? Um, Does scripture teach us anything about this? Um, And a funeral is something that is a staple of our culture. It is something that is very normal. Um, I think uh, for most of uh, American history, anyway, uh, funerals uh, have gone without question as what you do um and I'm not disputing that but I would like to um just do a Bible exposition of the subject uh, to take a look into it and I and I I I believe this will interest you and I think we're going to find some very interesting things about um funeral now number one the word funeral is not in the Bible um, as our a host of many other words that we use um, in our culture that relate to things um, that we believe the Bible teaches about, but the actual word is not in the Bible. The Bible does use the word burial or grave or to bury. Um, when studying this word, I looked it up both um, in Hebrew and in Greek. So the Hebrew word burial or grave, and for you Strong's readers, this is a 6900 um refers to um, a burial place, a memorial, a sepulcher, a tomb, right? Um, it's, it's a place where you put the dead. Um, in Genesis chapter 35, verse 20, it talks of the grave, uh, of Rachel's grave, and where she was buried. Um, later on, Jacob in Genesis chapter 47 and verse 30, he asks his son Joseph not to bury him in Egypt, but to bury him uh, with their fathers in their burial place. And so you see that there's this idea that there is a burial place, that there should be a place where the dead are buried. In the New Testament, there's the same picture um, for you uh, Strong's readers. Uh, thirty-four eighteen, 18, Manuma, Manuma. Um, and this word is very similar. It means um, to bury. It means a tomb. It means to memorialize or to remember. Um, it's a marked grave. Um, we see this um, as Jesus was laid in a tomb. He was laid in a tomb. Um, Peter talks about uh, King David being laid in a tomb. Um, So this idea of being put in a tomb um, is is a very biblical idea. It is a very normal idea to have a place that is marked um, for our dead, uh, those who have passed on from this world. And so we see this as something very common in our culture, and we see it very common in the Bible. So there is a burying place, a burial place, a place where the dead are put or laid to rest. Um, The second thing that I looked up was um, the funeral itself. Um, And I could not really find anything on the surface that talked about a funeral. But what I did find, number one, was the funeral procession in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 it explains the death of Stephen now Stephen was stoned to death at the end of Acts chapter 7 and in Acts chapter 8 it talks about the persecution that the church was under and that they were scattered and verse 2 says there was devout men that carried the body of Stephen uh, to the burial place And there was a great lament made for him. Now, when you read the original um, manuscript, his burial place or his burial is not there. That's italicized. If you notice it, you might not notice it, but it's not in the original manuscript. And here's why the word that they're using, um, devout men carried him. The, the carry there is a unique word that is only used one time uh, in the Bible. Um, and it's this word, uh, Sukuma, Sukuma Mizo, Sukuma Mizo, Sukuma Mizo. And for you Strong's reader, it's 4792. This word literally means for a group of men to carry something, either to carry harvest or carry Um, something to be burned or something to be buried Um, it means to take up a body for burial as in carrying away a corpse this is where we get the idea for pallbearers and the procession where you carry the bible to the grave uh, to the grave site or to the burial site uh, to be put in the sepulcher or into the ground interesting huh Yeah. Uh, And so we see that there is this idea of devout men carrying Stephen to the place where he is to be buried. Um, It goes on to say that they made a great lament or mourn. This is a beating of the head or chest that it is. They are mourning Strong's Concordance um, uh, 287 or sorry, 2087. Um, and it only has one occurrence this, this term to lament in this way Only one occurrence The writer of Acts, uh, Luke Uses this term to describe uh, The burial of Stephen And so we see that there is a burial place Or a tomb We also see that there is a procession Where the body of the deceased Is taken to the place of the burial but what about the funeral services? That one uh, was a little more difficult to uncover. And so I had to dig a little deeper. And what I found was that in, first of all, in Luke chapter 9 uh, and verse 59, as Jesus talks to his disciples about the cost of discipleship, um, he says to another fellow in uh, Luke nine fifty nine. Then he said to another one, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So I looked up this term bury. This is why it's so important to try to decipher what they meant then and there before I apply it to here and now. I want to understand the author's original intention for the use of the word Uh, to bury my father. Um, This is the Greek 2290 for my Strong's Concordance users, 2290. And it's the pato, the pato. And it means to bury or I bury. Um, This verb primarily is used to celebrate funeral rites, to celebrate funeral rites. And so packed within just this verb to bury is an entire rite or ceremony, a celebration, um, to celebrate the funeral rites. Um, in, um, another account of the same, uh, situation, he says that I may go, um, first and bury my father as if he has to go travel, go back to his hometown and travel to bury his father. We see that in modern day funerals. Uh, when someone passes, we, we go back to that town, we leave and go to bury them. Um, and this means to have the funeral rites. There's 11 occurrences of this particular verb, uh, to bury or I bury. Uh, an interesting one I found was in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 12, where John the Baptist's disciples um, buried him. And it's the same word to celebrate funeral rites. It means that they had a funeral. They actually had a funeral for him after Herod, the king, killed him. Um, And then they went and they talked to Jesus about this. And so we see there's a place where they are buried. There is a procession to take them to that place. There is a time of mourning and lamenting. But there also is... The burial rites. Now we don't know what they are. The Bible does not tell us exactly what they did culturally or what they did um, service-wise. But there actually was some type of rites performed, um, and we we know this from history that there different cultures have different things that they do uh, to celebrate the rites or the passing. Um, from this life into the next life uh, and so number one there's a place where they're buried there's a number two there is a procession where they are taken to where they are buried which includes um, according to steven's um, account uh, men devout men who carried his body um, we see according to luke um, that this man wanted to go and bury his father before went and followed Jesus. (laughs) We also see that John the Baptist's disciples took his body and they buried it. They performed the burial rites. And so number one, there's a burial place, a memorial, a tomb. Number two, there's some type of rites. There's something that they do um, in order to celebrate the funeral rites. Um, There's a procession where men carried Stephen's body. To the burial site there is a time of mourning and lamenting after the person has passed now for christians there is a uh, perspective on death that other people may not have because of uh, what jesus did Uh, and based upon what jesus did christians have a different outlook on death Um, If we go through the Bible, there is actually a doctrine of resurrection. There's a doctrine of resurrection. And so uh, just to give you a a short walkthrough in John chapter 11, verses 23 uh, through 26, Jesus has a conversation with Mary and Martha about death. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And so automatically you see that there's this belief that there will be a resurrection, that those who believe on Jesus Christ, those who trust in uh, what he does, what he's done on the cross or what he was going to do on the cross, believe that there will be a resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me. Though he may die, he shall live. And so Jesus is declaring to her and giving her a promise that if they believe in him, they put their trust and their faith in him. Even if they die, they will live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked her a question and she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Powerful, powerful statement. Now, let me connect this to the apostle Paul's teaching as he encouraged the Thessalonians in first Thessalonians chapter four, beginning at verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now we see that Martha showed the hope Jesus gave her hope because he explained to her that I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, even if you die, you'll rise again. And if you believe in me and you have not died, you will never die. Let's see if Paul agrees with that. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So if they're dead, if they died, according to this life, he says that we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, then God is going to bring them with him when he returns. And so they will live again. They will rise again. That's what Martha believed. That's what Jesus taught. And that's what Paul is teaching here. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Now, this is by the word of the Lord. He's 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 speaking revelation that who. Who are uh, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Those who are asleep are those who have passed on before us. They are already there. They are already in the presence of the Lord. When he comes, they're going to be with him and we're going to see him. We're going to see all of them for the Lord himself with descend sin from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, if he returns before we die, then we never see death. Oh God. Oh, God, this is what we're supposed to be comforting each other with. This is what we're supposed to be sharing with each other. This is what we're supposed to be teaching each other. And I believe at a funeral, this is something that we should share. We know that there is a burial place. We know that there is some type of burial rites. And I think a part of those rites is to encourage those who are living to understand things according to God's divine wisdom. According to God's will, according to God's ways, according to uh, what we believe about Jesus and what he did for us. That should be a part of the burial rites. That should be a part of the funeral service so that there's encouragement. He says to comfort each other with these words. And I think you do need comfort because he doesn't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep, those who who have passed on from this life. Because it's so easy to 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 mourn and lament and to cry and to breathe and to and to grieve intensely as if there is no hope. But I'm here to tell you that there is a hope. And that hope is Jesus. That hope is the resurrection. And that he gives it as a promise. Jesus promises it in John chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. And now Paul echoes the same promise here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But that's not it. We have, there's a hope of the resurrection and the return of Christ. And (laughs) There's a renewal Of the body There's a renewal of the body So not only will you rise But the body will be made new Let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, Chapter 15 Verses 50 Through 55 Here's what it says Now this I say brethren Flesh and blood Cannot inherit the kingdom of God Nor does corruption Inherit incorruption Behold I tell you a mystery See here's that mystery That's why you need God's wisdom Until you come to Christ You really can't understand God's wisdom In what he did when he raised Jesus from the dead But he said Behold I tell you a mystery We shall not all sleep But we all shall be changed Not all of us will actually go uh, To sleep Will not actually go into the ground Now Jesus said that Paul says that in Thessalonians to the Thessalonian church. And he says it here again to the Corinthian church. He wants them not to be ignorant uh, of of the way that this works. That if you're alive, when Jesus returns, you won't sleep. You won't go into that, that middle place. You will go right into the presence of the Lord. And so here's what he said. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trump of God will sound, And the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now, what did we read in Thessalonians that he will return with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God and those uh, who are dead in Christ will rise, right? They'll rise first. Same teaching. He didn't change anything. He's not contradicting himself. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So that when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, they shall be, then it shall be brought to pass the saying, which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Listen, what we're seeing here is that Paul's teaching on the resurrection is so that we do not fear death. We do not fear leaving this life. We must understand that for us, leaving this life is a transition. It's not the end. I said this past week at the funeral, we can't even use the term deceased, which means they have stopped to be, because they haven't. They've transitioned. Those of us who believe that Jesus died and rose again, we have a hope that when we die, we rise again, or that we will never see death if we are there or if we are alive when he returns. The last thing I want to share with you is that not only do we have this hope of a renewed body, but we have a confidence of being in the presence of the Lord once we have left this earthly body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, verses six through eight. You ready? This is going to blow your mind. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses six through eight. So we are always confident. Here's Paul again. We are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And so his perspective on this life is that as long as we're here in this body, we are separated from the Lord. Uh, not completely separated, but we're not uh, uh, we're not united with him totally and completely. Yes, we have the down payment. We have the seal, which is the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God working in us through gifts and, and through a prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the scripture that we, we, we also have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to understand what eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard and what has not entered into the heart of man, but we are not completely where our destination is we are separated from being physically in his presence right there with him and so he says we are as long as we're at home in this body we're absent from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight what do we what do we have faith in the confidence verse eight we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord In other words, this earthly house, this earthly tent, this body that we are in, we have to shed this. He already said that 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 55. He explains to us that this corruptible body, this mortal body has to be dissolved in order for us to put on the incorruptible and mortal body, which is a different body. Now, this is not me. This is the teaching of the Bible. This is what it says in context. And so he said, as long as we're at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord, but we have the confidence. And so this is something that we have to walk by faith. We have to believe that this life is not it for us. That death is not the end for us. That 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 there is a moment and a time in the moment in the twinkling of an eye when we pass from this life to the presence of the Lord, he said we have a confidence. We have a confidence. We have a confidence. And so we in this time, you never would have thought that we really have to dive into the doctrine of the resurrection, that we have to really make that something that we are concerned about because there's so many passing from this life. There's so many people dying and, and passing from this life into eternity that we need to make sure that we know what the Bible says about it so that we don't have any problems or any issues, so that we uh, can mourn and we can grieve, but not as those who have no hope because we have a hope. We have a hope and we know and we've said this, that we're going to see them again. But we know that we're going to see them again. We're going to see uh, those loved ones again and that where our life is not over once we pass from this life into eternity. And so knowing this. If God has kept us here, we're still here because some people ask the question, well, Lord, why am I still here? And so and so has passed on. Paul asked that question too and I'm glad he did because I, I, so many people would struggle you know without knowing what it is uh, uh, why are we still here and so in Philippians chapter 1 beginning at uh, verse 20 he says according to my earnest expectation and the hope that is uh, the hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed ashamed But with all boldness, as always, so now, also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Number one, Christ will be magnified in his body, whichever one he is. If he lives, he's gonna magnify the Lord with this life. If he dies, it's gonna magnify the Lord, period. That no matter what he does, he says, I'm gonna magnify the Lord. Why? For to me, to live is Christ. So number one, if I live, it's because Jesus has kept me alive, but he also says to die is gain. What does that mean? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so he's saying to us, uh, us, as we read what he said to them, first of all, he's explaining to them, I don't want you guys to worry about me. I don't want you to mourn me. I don't want you to be hurting over me because if I live, it's Christ. But if I die, it's still gain. Verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean the fruit from my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better Paul has suffered for Christ. He has lived his entire life suffering for Christ, imprisonment, beaten, nearly killed multiple times. But but every time the Lord has kept him because it wasn't his time yet. And so he stayed and he did what he had to do. But there are moments where he said, you know what, Lord, just take me. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I've done all that I can do here. But verse 24, watch this. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He understood that if he's here, it's because he's here, because God needs him to continue to minister to these people, these people that he's called to. If you're still here, then you better get to work doing the things that God has called you to, because we don't know when the time is up. We don't know when it's time for us to transition. We don't know when he's going to come back for us. So while we are here, let's use this example of Paul. Yeah, we want to be away from all this pain and this hurt and this confusion and this chaos and this craziness of pandemics and protests and Death by car crashes and violence and all kinds of things happening in this world. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, for me to live is Christ. It is His will that I want. But to die, I know. I know where I'm going when I die. So I'm not afraid of that. I don't fear that. Verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress. And the joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And so the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Philippian church. He's in prison. He doesn't know if they want to kill him or if he's going to live or die. But it doesn't matter if I remain. I'm going to keep doing what God called me to do. And so that's my encouragement to you today. That's my encouragement to you today. They used to say when I was growing up, I'm going to live so that God can use me anytime, Lord, anywhere. They used to sing another song, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. Use me, Lord, to show someone the way. Uh, Bishop Paul Morton said, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I pray that this has encouraged you in this season of very difficult times. Um, and I pray that you share this with someone who has lost someone so that they can have the hope, the hope of the resurrection, the hope of this life in Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, then you don't have this hope. And I want you to have this hope. And so let me pray with you. Say, Father God, forgive me for all of my sins. I bow my knee and I put my trust. In Jesus Christ I believe that he died and he rose again and he is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high I put my trust in my faith in his sacrifice which pays the price for all of my sins and his resurrection which allows me to have eternal life and to know that I don't have to fear death because he overcame death father Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me of all unrighteousness from this day forward. I will live for you and follow your word in Jesus name. Amen. If you pray that with me, I want you to reach out to me. I want you to uh, message me. Uh, Please send this to a friend. Uh, Be a blessing to someone who needs uh, to know this information. Thank you so much for those that have been donating and, 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 and helping us out. Um, continue thank you so much (laughs) keep us in your prayers Um, if you would like to donate financially um, you can go do a one time gift at my cash app um, dollar sign a Wilson 22 or you can go to Google and Google Anthony Wilson anchor um, and I will come up you click on that link you scroll down look at the support button click that support button you can support us with 99 cent 4.99 or 9.99 any of that will help us uh, to continue to take uh, this gospel message around the world Um, if you were supporting and you stopped for some reason uh, pick it back up again Uh, we definitely uh, could use your financial support your prayer support and please share 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 this with as many people as you can, especially during this time and this season. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Love Thy Neighbor podcast. This is your host, Anthony Wilson, Sr. signing off. God bless you.